you're higher priced. Therefore, people trust you more. Therefore, people buy more. Therefore, you have a higher BSR. Therefore, you can justify your pricing for the long term. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. In today's challenging economy, pricing strategy is an incredibly important management responsibility. In today's episode, we're going to discuss three proven pricing strategies and the number one pricing principle from Jason's book, Pricing Power. Jason, delighted to talk about this topic. I think it's really under-discussed. So let's talk about these three yeah. pricing strategies. What's Yeah, yeah. Happy to jump into this one. You know, I think the more the economy uh, changes and more we re- feel like we're in maybe a recession or certainly inflationary period. I mean, there's no doubt about that at this point. Uh, all of us as e-commerce sellers are asking similar questions, which include how do I manage my pricing effectively? And costs are, are going up um, and competition is doing weird things with their pricing. And it puts us in a very, very awkward position as e-commerce sellers. And so I wrote Pricing Power um, good number of years ago, actually. It's been around for uh, for a while. It's 13 Pricing Principles. You can find it on, on Amazon, get the Kindle version. This conversation is going to be uh, a you know, deep dive into principle number one and uh, the components of it. And uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, we're excited to be able to do um, ongoing conversations around these, uh, these various principles in the book. So happy to jump into this. The first principle is powerful and important, and I think it sort of frames the whole discussion and conversation nicely. So are we ready to share the principle? Absolutely, yeah. What What is the first principle then? The first principle of pricing is you need a pricing strategy or pricing methodology. Now, that sounds so obvious. It's like, wait, what? But the underlying uh, thesis there is you can't wing it or you shouldn't wing it. And you really should have a strategy that you've thought through and that you can say, yes, this is our approach as a company to pricing. Um, And I think that's a really, really important um, first foundational principle to sort out for yourself. Yeah, I like that a lot. And and I've recently, and um, thanks to your inspiration, so, you know, I, even I listened to the e-commerce leader and um, I went away and bought the, the book Competitive Strategic Analysis, I think, by Porter. And one of the things that has emerged quickly um, from his thoughts, I'm, I'm sort of working my way through it, it's a dense book, but is that strategy involves accepting payoffs um, or trade-offs rather, not payoffs, not getting bribed, um, trade-offs. So if you have one thing, you can't have the other. And this is a classic thing. So you can't have a, a product that your positioning is really premium 
and yet sell tons of them for low price. Those two things are incompatible. And I think this is, you know, and that's his way of defining strategy is what mm -hmm. are you going to focus on and what are you willing to sacrifice? And I think that's very grown up thinking because everyone wants yeah. to have their cake and, and eat it. And even our prime minister here in the UK said, I'm rather pro having my cake and pro eating it. But I, I just thought, well, the whole point of that saying is that you can't, you got to choose. So I, I really yeah. like the fact that you've got to have a strategy. And, and for me, the word strategy includes, includes the word trade-off. And I, I guess we'll be getting into that as we get into our, the strategies that you talk about. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the, the first follow on question after is what, if you have a strategy within well, the question is what, should, what should your strategy be? You know, what, what are the appropriate strategies that you can, um, you can bring to the party or follow, uh, you know, tried and true practices. And so that's sort of the gist of the conversation today. That's what we want to dig into. Yeah. Perfect. So tell us about the the first pricing strategy then, which will be presumably a trade-off uh, with other things that we might have to choose between. So what's the first choice? Yeah, and these will be common ideas as we kind of dig into them with people. But, you you know, you've heard these phrases before, but I think the question is, how do you, you decide upon them? The first one is premium pricing. And the premium pricing idea or model is being the high-priced seller in your category. And, and so that's the first choice to make is do you want to be the premium pricing uh, person or the high priced leader and a hard position to take. And there's reasons why it could work amazingly. And there's reasons why it could work badly or won't work. But the first question is, can you be the high priced leader? If you can be the high priced leader in your niche or industry, it is the, the most favorable or most optimal position. And that, I, in my view, is, is the thing to think through. How could you be the high price leader? Because it provides the most margin on a per unit basis. And it positions you in the mind of the consumer as the leader in the space. The leader generally has pricing power. The leader generally is the one that can price themselves high and maintain that high pricing with the support of the, the, the user community. And so for all those reasons, asking yourself can, if you can be in that slot is, is the first thing to you know, think about. What are your thoughts on that, Michael? But Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I mean, first of all, I think it's often something that people think they're doing, but they're not really doing. Sorry, I just realized I was me so calling. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> let me try again. Two, two platform itis there. Yes, very much makes sense that it would be a desirable thing to go for. I think a lot of people think they're practicing premium pricing strategies. But I think they want to have their cake and eat it. In other words, they want to sell a lot at a high price. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I guess that can be possible, right? Nike does that with trainers and, and other examples we can think of in the consumer space. I mean, I've, iPhone is an example of that in the phone space. But, you know, Apple used to make the trade-off that they were quite clear that they were a premium product and they weren't interested in mass market penetration at a certain stage of their development, or they may have been willing to sacrifice it, put it that way. And I think a lot of people in the Amazon space particularly um, have really struggled with the idea that there's a trade-off between how many units you sell per month and the profit per unit and obviously if you get it right you can maximize profits yeah. but they really I, I see people even otherwise intelligent people struggle to to let go of one or the other what, what's your mm -hmm. experience of working with clients and that or your own experience of that i think a lot of people take a back of the envelope approach to pricing and they say to themselves oh this is as high as i can price i can't price any higher but when you ask them that question like why They'll say, well, that's a dollar or two above the, the, the competitor that I'm aware of that I know is sort of good, a good competitor or, you know, the biggest competitor. 
Um, or maybe that's a, you know, you know, that it, it's that thinking. Very few people have split tested their pricing up and down the price point, you know, kind of scale and said to themselves, what will the market bear? And uh, what happens to my uh, per unit economics at the various price points? And so honestly, a lot of times people don't know if they could be the high price leader because they haven't ever tested the thesis with you know a live fire exercise like on you know on Amazon or on on the internet like can you be the high price leader? Well, I don't think so. Well, have you tested it? No. And so, but it takes courage to kind of do that, and you have to be willing to you know ruin your sales for you know a day, a week, a month, whatever uh, if you fail that that test. But if you don't fail that test, that's really really interesting place to be in. And so I think the first thing to do is to not just say at a gut level what do I think is true. But say, how can I prove what's true with some some tests and document, you know, outcomes? Have an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. Use tools like Splitly. I don't know that that's a still a tool for Amazon, but uh, tools that will allow you to serial or or uh, A/B test over time, uh, longitudinal testing of your pricing, and see uh, see what the market will bear, because it makes all the difference on your unit economics. Um, and to your point, sometimes even selling lower volume. But at a higher price, well, net you better unit economics that you could be happier with for the long term. Yes, indeed. I, I think Splitly's now gone away because I think Amazon does some of the uh, activities they used to do in terms of split testing. I can't remember, honestly, that I've not run a split test on Amazon for a while. What I would say is, is this, that actually you can go a lot further than that and you can actually use software these days. With private label products, it's not been a common thing with reselling. There's been a lot of software around for a lot of time yeah. for Amazon specifically that will enable you to, to resell a lot of that is um, rules based so it can be quite primitive and, and it can end up you know getting the buy box and getting you sales at the cost of your profits and obviously there's a payoff there so if you use tools you need to know the nature of the, the tool and how to use it there you is really selling tools but you mean repricing tools no i mean so sorry and what i mean is repricing tools for resellers yeah. Right, sorry, right, right. Yeah. Said. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Thank yeah, you yeah. for picking up. I what gobbledygook I'm speaking. Repricing tools <laughs> for resellers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to keep your head straight with this stuff sometimes. <laughs> but there is actually a really cool tool that I just want to mention that's called that's a repricer for private label or custom products, which is harder to engineer because you need to pick specific competitors and it needs a more sophisticated system. And that's run by guys over at Eva who I've been working with um, to sort of help them develop the kinds of features that private label sellers really need. Um, and that's quite exciting because they've actually they, they've integrated stock control into it, which is a whole another flip side of the whole pricing debate, isn't it? If you put your price up, stock tends to move less less quickly, and that can be good if you're going to go out of stock. That that ruins your profits and sales. So anyway, they've got an engine that combines the two and, and it does it in an automated way. And they see an increase of thirty percent in profits by doing that. So repricing yeah. automatically can, done right, really push up the profits as well. Yeah, e-commerce or. Sellers on on Amazon should check that out. I mean, they're a show sponsor, right? So that's for right. Shows and for this yeah, show, yeah. so you've yeah. really found some some interesting elements of that that I, I think are very important. And so, yeah, to your point, if you're on, on Amazon, you need to do the work to figure out what you can do as a pricing strategy, uh, not just simply uh, wing it, as as they say. So absolutely. Okay, so what's the second strategy then? So premium pricing sounds very attractive. I mean, I guess before we move on, we ought to talk about how real is it to, to position yourself as premium? What's the cost? Everything has a, a cost or a, a thing you've got to do to get it. What's the kind of cost for getting premium pricing? How do you mean the cost? So, I mean, what, what do you have to do to get it? The downside of it. The downside of premium pricing? 
You mean yes. if you try to become the premium price uh, offerer in your marketplace and you and and it, and you fail? Well, that's one thing, yeah. And also, what so what are the downsides? But also, what do you have to do to achieve it? I suppose that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Well, you have to price your product higher than anybody else, and customers have to buy it. <laughs> Sorry, then I don't mean to be uh, coy about it, but I mean that the the market will tell you if you can be the high priced leader, if you can be the premium pricer, right? The customer will say to themselves, "This is higher than everybody else, but I'm willing to buy it." You have to give them a reason why. Maybe it's the power of the brand. Maybe it's the associated benefits um, that and features that your product feels a little bit different. Maybe it's positioned a little bit more differently. And people are like, oh, this one does this. This has this. And if you answer the question in the mind of the consumer uh, more effectively than the competitors, will they buy yours over the others, even if you're higher priced? I mean, I think a lot of marketplaces will prove that, yes, they will. Um, a lot of times photography um, is a differentiator in such a way and to such a degree that people will be like, this one is higher quality. And you, you say, well, why is it higher quality than the other one? The photography is better. Well, that makes no sense at all, except for an e-commerce context where the photo is a proxy for reality. And so, I mean, these are the elements that go into being a high-priced uh, leader and thinking through those dynamics. Um, a lot of little nuances as well. Michael, you would have insight into this, but I know a lot of people have said there's a pricing opportunity when you're um, FBA seller on Amazon versus merchant fulfilled. I don't know if that still holds up as much anymore now that there's, uh, you know, the, the alternates that are somehow in between prime merchant fulfilled or, you know, whatever it is. But I, I know that people have said that those dynamics also allow for pricing discretion. Uh, and interesting opportunities. Any thoughts on that? Yes. So the, the three options are merchant fulfilled, which is when you just do it yourself. Um, and then it's uh, FBA fulfilled by Amazon. And then seller fulfilled prime, which is uh, hard to get. But if you have 90 days of good metrics and you can do the fulfillment yourself and you have certain capabilities, you will be then prime eligible, even though you're fulfilling it yourself. So the critical piece is prime eligible versus not prime eligible. And basically, uh, you're basically right, because if you are prime eligible, you will get you know, roughly twice the exposure in in organic rankings. Maybe it's you know, two thirds more, but it's a heck of a lot more. And that's really critical because you can do more volume. And thus you can, if you choose yeah. to translate that into the same amount of visibility, fewer sales, but at a higher price, or you can translate that into same price, more sales. So it absolutely does relate to that. There's a concept, star principle related, uh, 80-20, Richard Koch. And um, it's basically this idea that like... Uh, those who have get more. And if you're, if let's say, for example, you've got a competitor who's priced at $10 a you, you know, for the thing and you price at $13, but you're number one in the uh, category on Amazon and they're number like 12, hmm. the benefits accrue to you. People will say you must be better. And the, that, so, so some of it just is the BSR is a differentiator that would permit for higher pricing and premium pricing. And it compounds it. It's like it doubles down on itself. It's a virtuous cycle. You're higher priced. Therefore, people trust you more. Therefore, people buy more. Therefore, you have a higher BSR. Therefore, you can justify your pricing for the long term. So those elements aren't to be ignored or, or missed out on conceptually. I mean, you want to lean into those ideas. 
Yeah, I, I agree entirely. It's funny that you're saying BSR in Amazon reference. I, I'm going to do an off Amazon reference then just to balance things out uh, in case the BBC kind of watchdogs are listening for, for balance here. This applies off Amazon as well. So the same with Google. I believe that 75% of the clicks accrue to the top three, maybe five mm-hmm. yeah. uh, positions on Google. So that means that there's a, there's an element of once you're installed at the top, there's a self-perpetuating element, as you say, and I absolutely couldn't agree more. I suppose what people are often trying to do, particularly with an Amazon launch, to come back to Amazon, um, but not only Amazon, is that they're trying to install their product as the premium product by making sure that it ranks very high. Now, that's mm-hmm. only going to work if you, quote, stick the landing, as people call mm-hmm. it. In other words, right. once you stop spending like a crazy person on advertising and you allow your price to go up a little bit, you kind of start with basically penetration pricing, which I know is something else we've got to discuss. And then at some point, you try and raise your price and see if it sticks. But that's the acid test. That's the the launch strategy is not a premium pricing strategy. It is the way to kickstart a premium pricing strategy. I would right. say if the other events yeah. are not in place, what happens is your product rises to the top, and you're really happy until you look at your bank account, which is hemorrhaging money and giving it all to Amazon. Yeah. And then you stop hemorrhaging money, and then it drips back down. And if you're really unlucky and you're not mindful about your pricing strategy, to your point of having one, really important because what happens then is you react and go, "Oh my goodness!" and you start throwing money at Amazon ads again, and then it goes back up the rankings, and you sort of, you know, bob back and forth. Um, yeah, that's pretty disastrous There's, and very common. Yeah, but on the positive side, <laughs> on the on the on the opportunity side, if you're the, you know, as they say, the victor to the victor goes the spoils. You know, let's say all be all things being equal, you're competing with 25 other people selling the same thing, but you know, not not the exact same thing as a reseller arbitrageur, but you know, in a similar niche uh, um, with a, your version. Um, the one with the most reviews is a victor. Yeah. You might have best selling rank because you have the most reviews. Therefore, you have, can justify a higher price. Um, therefore, you'll have. You know, because you get more reviews coming in, uh, you know, that kind of virtual cycle. So there's a reason that phrase to the victor goes the spoils is used because that's it's in these situations. Um, so anyway, so this is an overview of uh, premium pricing or luxury pricing that I think people um, people want to think through. And if they can take that position or figure out how to engineer the taking of that position, it's well worth the time and effort. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so we spent quite a lot of time on premium pricing. No apology yeah. for that, because it's obviously something we all desire, well, many of us desire. But then the second yeah. strategy is a little bit different. So tell us about that. That's the second. Yeah, the second, second pricing is what most people do, which is you, you could call it neutral pricing or competitive priced offer. It is basically matching your competitors. So neutral pricing is, is the phrase. The new, neutral pricer is someone who's taking an audit of all the other sellers on in the marketplace that's selling something similar and saying, okay, the average is $22. I'm going to price mine at $22. You know, so you don't want to be the high. You don't want to be the low. You want to be the in the average. There's a lot of reasons to do this. And, you know, all things being equal, what that type of analysis is telling you when you look at all of the sellers and the price point, what the market is telling you is what the average consumer will pay. And there's logic in being in that zone. Sometimes you can be too smart by half, or as I like to say, do a half a backflip and do pricing strategies that are just too complicated when, in fact, everyone's selling their goods at an average price point of $22. You too should be at $22. 
And so, you know, that's the that's the simplest plan to go to market with. That's what most people do if they do back of the envelope thinking or strategy is, is kind of okay, what's the gut feel for what these are priced at? And and I'm too going to uh, price mine or you know, the me too pricing uh, is gonna be in that range. So very straightforward, very simple idea there. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that strike me as a sort of counter to that, which is the middle is normally the most crowded place because most people come to the same conclusion. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's wrong to to be you know neutral or competitive driven by your price but i think that it can that there are some downsides i think you need to be aware of one is that i've seen that can be quite unstable in terms of sales because what tends to happen is if you're ranked for say you know this is a simplification of life but if you say there's one or two keywords that matter the most for your products on on amazon specifically and say you're ranked number three for whatever it is blue plastic widget whatever it is you may find that you bought between number five and number 12 and go on to page two when you suddenly get a lot fewer sales. Like, I mean, it could be 10x fewer by just yeah. changing rank a few yeah. positions. Whereas if you're consistently at number one, two or three, you'll find a lot more stability. So there is a there is a cost to be paid for that that mm-hmm. is non-obvious, I would say, that I've seen quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, you're average. And average doesn't stand out. And th- so that's the problem. And yeah, I, I totally agree. So for, for all those reasons, I spend the least amount of energy and thought on that neutral pricing strategy. I think it's the least interesting option. Hey, folks, thanks for listening to another edition of the e-commerce leader with Jason Miles and myself, Michael Vizi. So today we've been talking about pricing, not such a sexy topic as quite a few things out there like i don't know tiktok marketing or something that sounds very fashionable but guess what it's the most likely thing of a handful of things that's really going to drive your profits the money you get to put in your pocket and keep rather than revenue which is all good for bragging rights at the bar but doesn't actually pay the rent or give you any kind of you know doesn't pay the mortgage pay the bills and it doesn't give you a sellable business either so today we talked about the fact that you need a pricing strategy and also uh, premium pricing a very interesting topic a lot of people aspire to that but don't actually really uh, end up doing it properly so there's a lot to think through here if you've enjoyed today's show uh, two things first of all in addition to the usual call to action i would say go over to amazon and buy jason's book pricing power it's 299 dollars i think so whatever that is in pounds on uh, kindle or you can buy the print copy the audible book is going to be coming out at some point soon but not available at the time of um, recording in mid-may 2022 so that's one thing i would definitely definitely advise you to get that book jason's got a knack of taking some really sophisticated concepts and explaining them keeping the sophistication but keeping it simple and actionable as well for the busy e-commerce operator. So that's very, very good stuff. The other thing is, of course, if you've enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe at the podcast player of your choice, Apple, Google, a podcast, wherever you are, Spotify. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, or indeed anyone else allows you to give a, a star rating out of five stars, do give us a rating to help other people to know whether they should compute, consume our stuff. Uh, final plea would be if you've got time to write an actual review, a few words to say if you've if we've helped you and in what way it's helpful to so help your fellow travelers in e-commerce on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. We'd be super grateful for that because that gives us the motivation to keep producing this content to help you be the best e-commerce leader you can be. Thanks for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.the.com 
ecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.